Now more with Frank Gaffney. We're back, and it's always a pleasure to say we are joined by one of our favorite regulars here at Secure Freedom Radio, and that is Charles Sam Faddis. He has served with great distinction our country in a variety of capacities, including in the uniform of the United States Army and out of uniform, in fact, undercover for the Central Intelligence Agency's clandestine services. Among other things, uh, before he finished his tour of duty with the agency, he was uh, the director of its Weapons of Mass Destruction Terrorism unit, which uh, is obviously something we better be focused on big time. He is also, uh, I'm very pleased to say, a member of the Committee on the Present Danger China, incredibly productive contributor to our public policy debates, um, both through his books, notably his nonfiction work, Beyond Repair, The Fall and Decline of the Central Intelligence Agency, and not least, his excellent online resource and magazine.com. Sam Faddis, Good to have you back in the house virtually. Welcome. Great to be here, Frank. Thank you. A lot to talk with you about. Um, you have done a three-part series at End Magazine that uh, I'd like to get an update from you on. It talks about these uh, radical and increasingly dangerous, well, violent extremists, I think would be the term for it, though it's not likely to be applied by the Biden administration for reasons we'll talk about in a moment, that have used sort of eco considerations, environmental concerns to serve as a pretext for their particular piece of the revolution against the United States and a potentially very, very deadly one at that. Um, you talked with us the last time you were on the show, I think, about uh, this near miss um, using a mile-long train bomb, as I think you called it, um, to take out a, a refinery on the West Coast. And uh, I'd like you to tell us what you think might come next, given um, the magnitude of that uh, incredible uh, undertaking and uh, what it almost accomplished. Right. Well, I think what people need to understand is that um, what we have now are what I call these bomb trains, uh, which are typically a mile long, 100 plus cars that that are carrying Bakken crude oil. Uh, part of this is because uh, people like Joe Biden are preventing the construction of pipelines. So we transport this stuff in the most dangerous way we could rather than safely via pipeline. And Bakken crude is a very volatile substance. It doesn't react like normal crude oil. It reacts more like gasoline. So these literally are bomb trains. And we have anarchists in the Northwest, but this has also happened up in Canada and other locations, targeting these rail lines with the specific goal of derailing them and therefore causing massive explosions. Uh, a few years ago, there was a relatively small town in Canada that was literally blown off the map by a derailment. So, and, and also keep in mind that these trains run through the hearts of major cities. They don't just run out, uh, you know, only in open uh, prairie. So there's a lot of potential here for massive destruction. No indication the folks that are doing this are backing off. And in fact, ideologically, uh, it, the, the ideology is becoming more extreme all the time. This is occurring against a backdrop of rhetoric that says we need to depopulate the planet and return to the wild. So these folks are explicitly dedicated to the destruction of modern society 
that's the mindset that's behind this. This is uh, terrifying, needless to say. And as you indicated, um, it's, it's the more so because we are looking at the growing probability of something like this happening, given the insistence of the Biden team on our using rails, um, at least until they phase them out, too, for um, the transport of these fossil fuels, uh, specifically the Bakken fuels. Um, Sam, let me turn to another topic that I discussed a little bit with our colleague Pete Hoekstra, former congressman and chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Um, I'd like to get your perspective as a former member of that community about what Tucker Carlson is charging is being done to him personally by one of our most sensitive elements of that community, namely the National Security Agency. Uh, What do you make of the prospect that uh, he claims the powers of the NSA have been employed to uh, obtain without his permission, heavens knows, and probably without any kind of court order, uh, the contents of emails and other telecommunications that he has generated. Well, I mean, up front, let me say this. I have been following it closely and I've you know, look looked into all the facts and I suspect that Tucker is exactly right and that this collection is occurring. And as you said, it's occurring uh, extra legally. In other words, nobody's got a warrant on Tucker Carlson. There's no FISA court uh, ruling. There, there are a bunch of loopholes here that have been exploited. One of them is so-called incidental collection. Theoretically, we're looking at another target, and we just picked up uh, your communications in the process. In that kind of case, you're, there's supposed to be all sorts of procedures that keep them from retaining that information and keep them from disseminating that information. Abusing and, uh, it, particularly. It like all those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's picked up and it's incidental, essentially, it should be, it should not be retained in the system and it definitely shouldn't be disseminated and we shouldn't focus on it. Uh, I, it sounds to me like we are ignoring that. And unfortunately, these days, what we see with the intelligence community and law enforcement, I find that entirely plausible. I have no trouble believing that that is occurring. Sam, what's most alarming to me about all of this is that there seems to be not only a concern about this particular agency doing this particular wrongdoing, but that there are more generally efforts being made by the Biden administration to weaponize the rest of the intelligence community, and for that matter, the FBI and the Department of Defense and the Department of Justice, uh, perhaps among others, in their kind of political warfare against our countrymen and women, uh, simply because they voted for Donald Trump or uh, they have expressed sentiments that uh, seem to be uh, athwart the views, the positions, the policy preferences of the Biden team. Talk a little bit about how real that prospect is and why what Tucker's worried about, understandably, is uh, is bad enough, but that it may well be the very tippy top of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, well, you know, as as crazy as all of this would have once sounded, it is now reality. I don't think it is. This is precisely where we are. If you look at the national strategy on countering domestic extremism that the Biden administration trotted out you know, weeks ago. It is laying the groundwork for the justification for 
using the intelligence and law enforcement apparatus of the United States against political opponents of this regime. So it's something straight out of a what we would have once derided as a third world country. That is precisely where we are. The FBI doesn't have time to find the guys derailing trains or burning cities, but they will throw out a dragnet to track down people all over this country who they are literally charging with nothing more than trespass in the Capitol on 6th January. They are literally charging people, deploying massive resources to find folks to charge them with misdemeanor offenses of trespass, unlawful entry. But they can't focus on folks burning Portland, Minneapolis, so forth. In fact, they pretend like it doesn't exist. I think we have personally reached the point where individual law enforcement and intelligence officers are going to need to make some really hard ethical decisions. I think if you're an FBI special agent, we are at the point where you're going to have to stand up and say, uh, I swore an oath to the Constitution, not to Joe Biden. And no, I will not go execute your warrant on this. And no, I will not drop this investigation of this leftist anarchist organization. I think that's where we are. Every every person working in this whole edifice needs to look in the mirror and, and make a judgment about what they're about and why they got into this in the first place. I couldn't agree more, Sam. And as somebody who has, you know, walked the walk yourself, I, I know that you're speaking that um, in the most heartfelt way. And, you know, I'm like, I think many of our countrymen and women, um, quite convinced that the vast majority of people doing the kinds of jobs you once did, doing the kinds of jobs that uh, are now required uh, uh, as you know, a special agent in the FBI or um, as an analyst uh, or collector at the National Security Agency and so on. These are, these are good, public-spirited, patriotic Americans. I, I, I certainly pray that's the case and believe it to be so. But this is a time, as you say, of testing. Uh, we need to know whether they are or not. Um, and Sam, this brings me to another point. Um, you have been contributing to an important initiative. It's called the Accountability Initiative, and people can find its products at accountabilityinitiative.org. Um, there is a new report there about um, a counterintelligence problem of really the first order, which again speaks to this question of are our intelligence agencies, particularly those charged with counterintelligence, doing their jobs? And it deals with a group of people. Um, several mentioned in this article uh, that uh, we ought to talk a little bit about, who are representatives in the House of Representatives, members of Congress, um, and that seem to be serious counterintelligence threats to our security. Uh, one, if you can believe it, a member of the House Intelligence Committee itself. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Right. Well, I mean, of course, we're talking about Eric Swalwell, but more broadly, we're talking about, you know, a whole cast of characters coming out of California in particular. I mean, the Chinese the Chinese have for a long time been specifically targeting politicians and, and focusing, uh, this may surprise people, but on the state level. And that makes a lot of sense, frankly, because, first of all, California is an important state, but also because people who you recruit at the state level have a tendency to then run for federal office. And it is much easier to recruit people early on in their careers when they need money and they need support. And then, uh, and then, you know, as the Russians did years ago in Britain to great effect, you just retain them over the course of decades as they rise up to the power structure. This has been ongoing for a really long time. And as you suggested, we're doing effectively nothing from a counterintelligence perspective to to do any to stop it. And in the case of Swalwell, who's a classic example, 
even when it finally does come to light that, look, this guy was suborned by Chinese intelligence, there's no consequence. I mean, he retains his seat. He retains his access. Uh, he, As far as we know, he could be meeting the, a Chinese intelligence handler every couple of weeks and passing him everything he has, and we're not doing anything to of any consequence. So we're, we're letting them run rampant, and we're likely paying a massive price for it. Just a fine point on this, Sam. As a former handler of spies working for our country, that point you just made is extremely telling, is it not, that it would be part and parcel of the tradecraft of running agents that have been recruited, in this case for the Chinese Communist Party, for an ongoing relationship to be maintained uh, with a handler, um, albeit on a more circumspect basis, presumably, than sleeping with <laughs> the enemy agent who recruited him. Talk a little bit about that, just because it, it does, as I say, really raise to a very important point the idea that this guy must no longer have access to the most sensitive information in our government, which is what members of the House Intelligence Committee generally do have access to. Sure. Well, I mean, in the business of human intelligence and espionage, what the term of art would be developed. You develop a guy, you, you wine him, you dine him, or whatever else he's into, uh, you pull him over the line. Sexual favors, for example, in this in case. The, in the case of Fang Fang or whatever her name was. Um, whatever it is that is, is the key that unlocked him. Uh, and then once he is fully recruited, another term of art, and agrees to become an agent of your government, you do not continue that open social relationship. You, you move it to fully clandestine handling. That's dead drops or meeting in a car and middle of the night or meeting in a safe house or whatever is appropriate. But the whole point is that contact becomes invisible as a matter of of the trade craft that is used. So the fact that Swalwell does not currently walk around on the social circuit with with uh, you know a, a Chinese uh, a young Chinese woman doesn't tell us anything. In fact, it would be entirely consistent with the fact that he became a fully recruited asset and all contact is now clandestine and below the radar. That's how spies work. So yes, he could be a fully recruited asset passing intelligence to Chinese right now. And the question is, has anybody actually investigated that possibility, let alone precluded it from being a very serious threat to the national security? And I'm fearful that the answer is no, and that um, it's business as usual as far as Nancy Pelosi is concerned, because she too has problems um, with uh, compromising uh, by the Chinese Communist Party. And I believe that will be a topic for a future um, edition of this uh, very important accountability initiative project. And I commend you and others who are involved in it, uh, Sam, for your work there. Uh, let, let me just conclude because uh, we are, of course, uh, at the eve of our national holiday, the 4th of July. I don't think we'll talk again beforehand. And I just want to thank you for an important tribute to the idea of unity, e pluribus unum, of our country. It's central character, really, that you feature at End Magazine this week, and, and just give you a concluding word on that if you want to take Well, I, I think that's 
that's where we are, right? It is time for us to come together. The, the forces that threaten this republic are focused on division. They are focused on driving us apart. It is a deliberate tactic. It weakens us. It allows them to to do what they want to do. And so, you know, obviously the antidote to that, to the counter to that, is to remember that the most important thing is we are all Americans and not let them do this. Stop letting this divide us and turn us against each other. Sam Fattis, God bless you for all you do for our country and have done uh, over your many years of distinguished service. Thank you most especially for being one of our regulars here at Secure Freedom Radio. We look forward to talking with you on the other side of the 4th of July holiday and a blessed one to you and your family. And to the rest of you as well, I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for the same time, same station featuring of this program. You've been listening to Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. 